This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen wa ala alihi wa sahbih wa man istanna bi sunnatihi ila yumiddin Allahumma ja'alna minhum wa minal ladhina amanu wa aminu salihat wa tawasaw bil haq wa tawasaw bil sabr amin ya Rabbil Alameen thumma amma ba'd Once again everyone, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh One of the things I will say about Surah Al-Baqarah is that it provides a very powerful overview on uh, Muslim thinking, like our thoughts about ourselves, our thoughts about the world, how we're supposed to see the world around us, our worldview is best shaped by a, an exhaustive study of Surah Al-Baqarah. It's a, it, there's a reason it's placed right after the Fatiha the way that it is, because it does really represent the, the overview and the, the worldview of the Muslims as expressed by the Qur'an itself. Now we are here in 145, almost in the middle of Surah Al-Baqarah. And in that middle section of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah mentions this unique subject of the change of the Qibla. The Muslims used to pray in the direction of Al-Aqsa, and now they are praying in the direction of the Kaaba. And those ayat began previously, سَيَقُولُ السُّفَهَاءُ مِنَ النَّاسِ مَا عَنْ قِبْلَتِهِمُ الَّتِي كَانُوا عَلَيْهَا Because the Jewish community used to see the Prophet ﷺ pray in the same direction towards Jerusalem, the same as they did. All of a sudden, the Muslims have changed their direction. And there was this big controversy in Medina over this issue. And so there's a conflict now between the Jewish people and the Muslims. And the only background that you need for today is that the Jewish people believed inside. Allah mentions this in Baqarah itself. You already highlighted this. That the, especially the knowledgeable among the Yahud, the knowledgeable of the Jews of Medina, the rabbis, they actually were very convinced already that he is Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He is the one that is promised in their books. He is the one that Allah azza wa jal gave them all the signs that he's coming, and now he has come. They used to impose. They used to be proud of the fact that the final messenger is coming. When finally what they already knew came, when that messenger came that they recognized all along, they disbelieved in it. To, to give you an example of that within the world of Islam, because those were, by the way, the Jews of Medina were the Muslim community of that time. They were the Muslim community. And they used to get prophet after prophet after prophet. That was the history of Banu Israel. But for a long time they haven't received a prophet, and now they're waiting for the last one. And this is the last one that has come to them. They're, they're very fortunate of all the Jews of the world, the Jews of Medina are very fortunate that they get to see the Torah fulfilled. Because the Jews were scattered all over the world, but they didn't get to see the Torah fulfilled the way that the Jews of Medina did. مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيَّ مِنَ التَّورَاتِ right? That's for Isa salam and also even for Rasulullah salam that he's confirming what is before him in Torah. Now, about the Kaaba, there can be, there's a lot that can be said but because we're in the middle of this passage, I'll just share one thing with you. The Jewish people actually, it's, the Qur'an argues that the Jewish people knew that the Kaaba is the house built by Ibrahim salam. At least in their scholarship, they should have known. And there are hints. The Qur'an is not very direct about this subject, but there are hints. And I'll just share one of those hints with you. 
You know the Torah was given to which messenger? Musa alayhi That's why the Jews call it Torah Mushe. That's how they pronounce it. Torah of Musa. Now Musa alayhi salam, when he was in Egypt, he accidentally killed somebody. He punched someone and he died. And he ran away from there. Rabbi najini min al Master, rescue me from the wrongdoing nation. He ran away from Egypt. He went into Madian. The Madian is Arab territory. Madian is a land of the Arabs. So now Musa alayhi salam, who's Banu Israel, is in Arab land. In Arab land, he meets a couple of girls that are struggling to feed their animals. He helps them. Long story short, he marries one of them. Eventually. It didn't happen that quickly, guys. Relax. Okay, so, but he, he marries one of them. But when he marries one of them, by the way, so the, 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 the woman that he married, she's of what origin? She's Arab. So Bani Israel's messenger married an Arab woman. Think about that. That's pretty awesome. But anyway, so, so he marries her, but the condition for marriage was, The girl's father said, you will have to work for me for eight years. You could do ten. If you could do ten years, it's up to you. Eight years or ten years. Now why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because the Arabic word for year is sana. You could say thamani sanawat. You could say am, thamaniyata a'wam. Quran doesn't say sana. Quran doesn't say am. The Quran says that the father said to Musa alayhi salam, you will work for me eight years, thamaniya hijaj. Thamaniyata hijaj. Hijaj comes from the word hajj. Hajj is done where? Only and only and only at the Kaaba. He's in Arab land. And hajj is done how many times a year? Once a year. So one hajj is one year. So he says, you'll work for me eight hajj. Which is basically saying, you'll work for me eight years. But the way they count years is by the Kaaba and the ritual of hajj. And who's he saying this to? Musa alayhi salam. If you're going to talk to Musa alayhi salam and talk to him about hajj, then clearly Musa alayhi salam knows about what? The Kaaba. <laughs> by implication, he knows about the Kaaba. First of all, he's in Arab land. Then they're even counting time by the ritual of hajj. You know? So the idea, that there's interesting indications, hints in the Qur'an, that even from the very beginning, from even the messenger who received Torah, they knew about the Kaaba. But they of course acted like they don't know anything. And this is not the house that, that is supposed to be the center of worship. Which is why before these ayat, Allah Azza wa Jal described how Ibrahim himself, their father Ibrahim, is the one who built this Kaaba. Then we come to these ayat. Now they are stubborn and they're not listening. And Allah says, this is the ayah that we're starting with. in Even if you, meaning Allah is talking to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and says, even if you were to come to them with every single ayah, which means every single proof, every single revelation, it, it could also mean every single evidence from Torah. Because Torah might have indication too. Even if you bring them things from Torah, Ayah could also mean a miracle. Even if you bring them a miracle. Any miracle at all. مَا تَبِعُوا قِبْلَتَكَ They are not going to follow your qibla now. They're not, going to follow, they're not going to follow your qibla. They have a problem with you changing your direction from Aqsa to Makkah. And now until you go back to Aqsa, they have a problem with you. They don't want to hear any evidence. Now what, every time I share the ayat, I try to pull back and try to draw a lesson for you and me. Sometimes you will be in argument with people who are not interested in evidence. 
they're not interested in proof. They're not interested in what does the Qur'an say, what does the sunnah of the Prophet say, وسلم, what does history say. They don't want to hear it. We're going to do it this way. But why are you doing it this way? Qur'an says, no, no, no. You keep that to yourself. What are you, a shaykh? And they don't want to hear any arguments. Who are you to talk? Who are you to say anything? And they don't want, and Allah's Messenger is being told, by, because the, you know, the, the rabbis believe that they're very highly educated. They're very knowledgeable. They're ahbar. And Rasulullah and Rasul and Nabi al-Ummi, he's the unlettered prophet. Who are you to tell us which way we should pray? No matter what evidence you bring them, they'll say, who are you? What qualification, what ijazah you have? What sharia have you studied? You see? So there's going to be, what happens in, in, in the da'wah of deen, sometimes there are people who will make us feel like we don't know anything. What are your qualifications? In the modern world, you could even say that people that study religion, they are the laughing stock. People in the university laugh at them. The sociologist, the political scientist, the philosopher, the evolutionary biologist. They'll look at the alim and say, what does he know? He doesn't know anything. And when, because today science is considered a superior form of knowledge. And religion is for backwards people. So when the scientific community makes fun of the religious, then we, we feel shattered in our confidence. Like, yeah, maybe we're not, we don't know much at all. In that time, the people of knowledge were the Jewish rabbis. And the people who were considered, don't know anything, are people of Makkah. Among them, Rasulullah wasallam. So there's this intimidation. You know, like if you present the argument, you're already invalidated. No matter what you say is not good enough because you don't have a PhD from our university. You didn't come from our university, you didn't graduate the way we did, you don't have the credentials that we have, your arguments don't count. They're, they're invalid. Allah says, وَمَا أَنْتَ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَتَهُمْ And you're not going to be following their qibla, that chapter is closed, you will no longer turn back towards Jerusalem. I also want you to understand this from yet another point of view. The Muslims of Makkah, when they came to Medina, they saw that these are people who believe in Torah the Jewish community, they believe in Torah, they believe in prophets of the past. And so many of those prophets have been talked about in the Qur'an. So we have common ground with them. We have much more in common with them than the mushrikun of Makkah. The mushrikun of Makkah don't know anything about the prophets. Except maybe Ibrahim salam. But everyone in between, it's the, it's the Jews who know about Yusuf salam. It's the Jews who know about Musa salam or Zakariya salam or all the others. So they were hopeful that these people will be easy to convince. Because they already have common ground. They're already standing on common ground. But they learn very quickly that. And, and you know what happens then is when you're trying to convince them, you try to share with them, look, we have this the same, this is the same, this is the same. And so you can bring their hearts closer because you're talking about common ground. But now those efforts are going the other way because they were coming closer, we were even praying in the same direction. We have so much in common, we used to fast on the same days as they did. You know, Ashura and all of it. We used to fast on the same days. And all of a sudden, Allah ruined the da'wah of common ground and we're praying the other way. Right? And there's a tendency among, among some. You, you may not feel it because you're a majority Muslim society. But when you're a minority Muslim society, you know, like Muslims living in America or in Europe or somewhere else, and they're doing da'wah, they're trying to find common ground. And when you make a move that's politically incorrect, and every, the larger society says, what is this? You Muslims are crazy. And we want to say, no, 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 we're not crazy, we're just like you. Allah says, no, you're not going to turn back again. You don't need to make them happy. 
قِبْلَتَهُمْ You're not going to be turning back in their direction again. This is done. This is whether they like it or not. Whether they're happy about it or not. The da'wah to Islam is all to an extent about softening hearts, but it's not about PR. It's not about making, the, the truth is the truth, that's it. الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ As it's coming. فَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ So Allah Azza wa Jal says, you're not going to be following their qibla either. And then He says, وَمَا بَعْضُهُمْ بِتَابِعٍ قِبْلَةَ بَعْضٍ They don't even follow each other's qibla. In other words, the Jews have their own qibla. The Christians, many of them don't have a qibla. And if they do, they say they face east because of some theology with Isa salam. So they don't even follow each other. So don't worry about that. Don't make that into a big deal. Don't let that be, oh, now they're never going to listen because we pray towards Makkah and they have their loyalties towards Jerusalem. We're never going to be able to make da'wah to them. Don't worry about that. This is not a big problem. Don't, you know, let it go. But then Allah says the key to the problem. If you were at all to follow their wishes, their whims, their empty desires, even after knowledge has come to you. There's a few things that here that are very important. Allah is now saying real knowledge belongs with Rasulullah no matter how, much, how big a scholar of the rabbis you are. No longer do you have real knowledge, this is the person who receives real knowledge. That's number one. And number two here, when Allah says, وَلَا إِنِتَّبَعْتَ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ Allah is saying, they follow what they follow based on ahwa, Based on whim. There's no real actual you know, a, a solid evidence for why they do what they do. And Allah is saying, you don't follow people that don't have a basis. Our religion is one that demands from the Muslims that they become critical thinkers. Please listen to this carefully. Every, even if we have been Muslim for 14 centuries, even if Islam has been in a land for 500 years, 800 years, we are not Muslim because our father is Muslim, or our mother is Muslim, or our neighborhood is Muslim. We are Muslim ala basiratin. We come to Islam with eyes open. What you learn in your religion as you go, you, you, you need to know why you believe what you believe. Why do you have confidence in your faith? This is very hard to do for a Muslim society. Because in a Muslim society, your next generation Islam is automatic. I don't know, I was raised in a Muslim family. What's the big deal? But no, you can't follow just ahwa even because eventually what it becomes is ahwa. Then you don't when you don't verify what is in your religion, over time things get added to that religion and you don't question any of it because that's just how we do things. What's the difference between you and me and the jahil who follows whatever their ancestors left behind? We are a people of education. We are a people of constant seeking and learning. And that's not that doesn't mean everybody has to become a alim, but everybody becomes has to become a talib. Right? We don't all have to become a scholar. But all of us have to be seekers, little or more. You learn a little bit, you learn a lot. What's easy for you, what's not easy for you. We're not gonna learn all at the same level. But a journey of learning, that's everybody. Everybody has to learn little by little by little. إِنَّكَ إِذَا لَمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Allah says something very harsh to Rasulullah He says, if you were to follow this, if you follow theirs, you will be considered. You might even be considered from the wrongdoers. Allah is telling, telling this to His Messenger Now the, why would He say that to him? The word ظالمين here is actually referring to Banu Israel. And Allah is saying, if you follow them, you'll become like them. Don't be like them. Because they follow whatever comes. And they don't, they don't look at what Allah revealed itself. They just follow, we, we've been doing things this way, we're always gonna do them this way. That's it. That's good enough for us. Don't become like them. A commentary here that I'd like to read for you. وَالْمَقْصُودُ مِنْ خِطَابِ النَّبِيِّ تَحْذِيرُ الْأُمَّةِ The point of talking to the Prophet like that is to warn the Ummah. وَهَذِهِ عَادَةُ الْقُرْآنِ فِي كُلِّ تَحْذِيرٍ مُهِمٍ 
ليكون خطاب النبي خطاب النبي بمثل ذلك دليلا على أن من وقع في مثل ذلك من الأمة قد حقت عليه كلمة العذاب. That Allah speaks to the messenger harshly like this. If you follow them, you will become ظالمين to send a message to the ummah. If Allah is so tough with Rasulullah, what about us? Don't take this issue lightly. This is not a small thing. This makes you wonder, why is something so simple? We prayed this way, now we pray that way. Why is this such a big deal? Quran is making it into a very, very big deal. And as this dars continues, Hopefully I'd like to explain to you why the change of the Qibla and why us praying towards the Kaaba is so important. It's at the heart of the religion itself, at the heart of Islam itself, that this was part of the great gift of Allah to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and by extension this ummah. Wa inna fariqan minhum la yaktumun Allah says alladhina atainahumul kitab ya'rifunahu kama ya'rifuna abna'ahum. Listen to this carefully now. Those who we gave the book to, those who we gave the book to, referring to Torah, those who we had given Torah to, recognize him like they recognize their own children. يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ Now, in the Qur'an there are two phrases. One phrase says, we gave them the book. The other phrase says, they were given the book. الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ They were given the book. And there's a difference between these two. When Allah says they were given, the people that were given the book, الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ He's referring to the entire Jewish Christian community. But when He says, الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابِ Those who we gave the book to. Just like He says, آتَيْنَاهُ آيَاتِنَا Or آتَيْنَا لُقْمَانَ الْحِكْمَةِ The same verb is used over and over. We gave, we gave, we gave. This is a reference to people who Allah didn't just make them Jews or Christians or recipients of the book. They know about the book. They're knowledgeable. They're educated in the book. You see everybody here in this audience, and all the Muslims in the world are part of الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا Quran. Those who are given the Qur'an. All of us, the ones who know and the ones who don't know, all of us are الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا Quran. But the ones who Allah will say, we gave them Qur'an, الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْقُرْآنِ عَلَى سَبِيلِ الْمِثَالِ These are people that have knowledge of Qur'an. Who Allah gave knowledge of the ayat. So now Allah is referring to the, the rabbis among them, the knowledgeable among them. And Allah says about them, when they study their book, and then they look at the Prophet, it is so easy for them to recognize the Prophet ﷺ as the one talked about in their book, الَّذِي يَجِدُونَهُ مَكْتُوبًا عِنْدَ عِنْدَهُمْ فِي التَّوْرَاتِ The one who he, they find written about in their book, in the Torah, like they would recognize their own child. You're sitting in a crowd, there's a bunch of children, you can spot your child immediately. They can spot he's the messenger of Allah without a doubt. So the first thing Allah is saying here is making... But the, the conversation, the, the interesting thing, right? The conversation wasn't about the Prophet. The conversation was about the Qibla, about Kaaba. Allah is saying there's no difference. Once you accept the messenger, you will accept everything the messenger does. When you have a problem with the Kaaba, you actually have a problem with who? Rasulullah and that's why you're not accepting the Kaaba. You're making claims, oh, we used to pray this way, why we're praying that way. The real problem isn't the Kaaba. The real problem is you are denying the Messenger. And the truth is, you know the Messenger is the Messenger, like you would know your own children. And a group among them is deliberately hiding the truth while they very, they're the ones who know. So now Allah is saying they are recognizing it. And then a group among them who is most knowledgeable hides what they know. 
They deliberately, purposely don't tell you what they know. This is Allah's way of teaching us a very horrible phenomenon in religious societies. There's such a thing as corrupt scholarship. And what corrupt scholarship does is corrupt scholarship knows certain things and purposely hides it. People can't handle it. Or if, we, if they know about this, then we'll have to make certain changes. Why didn't they share? Why didn't they open up and say, yes, he is the one mentioned in our books? What's the big problem? If they mention that, then everybody will follow Rasulullah Then when the rabbi gives a khutbah, nobody's coming. He lost all of his audience. When he gives a fatwa, nobody cares. Because they're all interested in who now? Rasulullah So when you're in a position of religious leadership, and you say, no, 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 the real alim, the real one to follow is that one, go follow him, then you're gonna lose your market share. You don't want to lose your customers. So you don't want to acknowledge the other one. This is actually a religious jealousy. By the way, I love Mufti Mink. Go listen to him. I listen to him. Go listen to him. <laughs> you know? I listen to Sheikh Yasser Qadi all the time. I love these scholars. I've learned a lot from them. And I encourage you to learn from them. There's no competition. And that's what becomes sometimes within the world of religion. That some think that if you give acknowledgement to somebody else, it will take away from them. What I earn, what they earn, what a alim earns, what a da'i earns, what a, what a rabbi of Bani Israel would earn. What we earn is not an audience. What we earn is dua. What you earn is khidmah. What you earn is service. I mean, you're, you're thinking you came here for me. Actually, I'm thinking I came here for you. I'm at your service. It's an honor that I get to share something with you. May Allah reward me and may Allah reward you. That's the attitude that we're supposed to develop inside this ummah. You know, some brother came up to me and said, Brother, I want to give you some suggestion. I'm nothing compared to you. And I said, Astaghfirullah al-Azim. How are you going to say that? فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينَ We're all brethren in Islam. We're just brothers. Just so what if I have a mic on? So what? This is a corruption of our religion that the people who teach somehow become people that think of themselves or we think of themselves as superior. Or we think of themselves as beyond criticism. Or they start thinking of themselves as, no, we are supposed to hold our audience and make sure they don't go anywhere else. This is the same disease that led them to even disbelieve in Rasulullah And today this disease, because you know, you could have all the knowledge of the deen, but if this corruption is there, it'll make you say things about somebody else. Oh, this person, he's good, but he's got a lot of mistakes. Don't listen to him. Don't do this. Don't do... And they're bashing other groups and criticizing. And this is all their energy is spent on. Learn some, instead of... Wasting your energy learning about somebody else's mistakes. How about you learn the Fatiha instead? How about you learn something something actually worth learning? You know? What is Allah gonna ask you? How many mistakes did you catch of this one? Is that, is that what he's gonna ask you? Is there is there nothing more worthy of your time? More, more worthy of your learning that is in front of you? Uh, that is in front of me? Well, we'll make mistakes. All of us all make mistakes. Others other people make mistakes. That's life. We're not prophets. So what? We make, we make istighfar for those who've made mistakes. We don't overlook the mistakes. You know, you and I, are, I mean, just because some of us are public, as some ulama, you know, unfortunately, they get criticized a lot and talked about a lot and things like that. Look at all the good that they do. And the fact that they made a mistake is only proof that the messenger, the, the institution of risala is done, which means everybody else will make mistakes. What a surprise. You know? 
So don't become obsessed with that. And that, that's actually one of the diseases of Banu Israel. That a group among them hides, deliberately hides the truth. And one, one dimension of that I'd like to share with you is the, the, the applying to our ummah, we are interested in the truth. We're not interested in personalities actually. We're interested in truth. Rabbis tried to dismiss Rasulullah even though some parts of what he was saying, even their followers knew this is absolutely true. But they, they have to dismiss everything. They have to say all of it is wrong. Don't listen to any of it. What you can do, you can say at least this much I agree, this much is true. This much I disagree with. This much I don't understand. You know, you and I will, I will have disagreements with my teachers on some interpretation of Qur'an, meaning of a word, a hadith, and how it applies, etc., etc. I'll have a disagreement. Does that mean I stop learning from them? No. Disagreements doesn't mean that you stop your journey of learning, nor does it mean that they are misguided and you are guided. It doesn't mean that. Who knows they're right and I'm wrong, or I'm right and they're wrong? Allah only knows. We have to try to the best of our ability. But we don't dismiss entirely. This is what they did. They dismissed the Messenger ﷺ, even though their own people were coming back to him and saying, this Messenger, this Muhammad said this, it's in our Torah, you told us this last Saturday. Because they don't have Friday, on this Saturday. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't want to hear anything. And so Allah says, Rabbik. Don't worry about it. If they don't acknowledge you, if they dismiss you, if they say you don't know what you're talking about, don't, be, don't lose your confidence. Truth comes from your Rabb. Al-Haqqu min Rabbik. For you, you don't have to see, get validation because the great rabbi agreed with you. You know what we do today, the Muslims? Oh, you know Rasulullah is amazing because you know, uh, uh, in a book, the hundred most influential men, he was listed as number one. <laughs> now we know he's good. Now I finally have confidence in Rasulullah If that book was never written, if these, these quotes were never given by non-Muslims, would it take away from the fact that Rasulullah is Rasulullah Would it take away from your confidence that he's the Messenger of Allah Now we've become so weak in our confidence and faith that we look for these validations from the outside. Look at what Gandhi said about Islam. Whoa, yeah, now Islam is... Uh, Islam was already awesome without those quotes. <laughs> we appreciate the good things that non-Muslims have said about our deen, it's fine. But now we've become so dependent on them. So dependent on them. This is not supposed to be the case. Our mentality is supposed to be Al-Haqqu min Rabbik. Our validation, our confidence comes from the fact that the truth is from your Rabb. The truth has come to you in Qur'an. That's it, that's good enough for you. فَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ Then don't you become, don't you dare become from those who fall into doubt. You know, I was challenged with this when I was in college. I still remember when I started, I, I, I did my degree in computer information systems and I switched over to psychology. When I started studying psychology, starting with Freud and, you know, and their own behavioral psychology and other kinds of psychology, of course they're looking at the human being very differently than what Islam suggests. There are some parallels, but there are some things that are very directly contradictory, right? And sometimes they'll give arguments and you might even find some of those arguments compelling. And when you start finding those arguments compelling, you start having doubts about what we, in Islam, we learn something else. And that's when you have to go back and you have to revisit. Al-Haqqu min Rabbik, fala takunanna min al-Mumtareen. The truth comes from your master. Don't you dare fall into doubt. 
Don't you dare fall into, don't you dare false, you know, false way into false arguments. Imtira, the word used which I'm translating as, as doubt, comes from the word mirya. The Quran uses many words for doubt. Raib and shak, you know. Taraddud is also used and now mirya is being used here. Mirya actually means you are arguing with someone and they gave you an argument and it confused you. And you started kind of getting shaky because of the argument they made. And you didn't know how to respond. They might come with ayat of Torah and fatawa from their ulama. The Prophet ﷺ has no idea of these things. But don't get intimidated by their random quotes and their big words. Don't do that. You already have the haqq. You already have Qur'an. الْحَقُّ مِنَ رَبِّكَ فَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ Now, the other interesting thing that I wanted to share with you by comparison is in Surah Ali Imran, in the next surah. Allah says again, الْحَقُّ مِنَ رَبِّكَ فَلَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ Here he says, لَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ There he said, لَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ What's the difference in translation? They probably say the same thing. But there is a difference. The difference is, on the one hand, don't you dare become confused with doubt. That's one of them. The other one is, don't become confused with doubt. So one of them is stronger than the other one. When the one, Ali Imran, لا تكون من الممترين, don't become confused with doubt. This one that we're learning right now, don't you dare. لا تكون من الممترين. Don't you dare become confused with doubt. So this one is a stronger don't. Why? Because that one was with the Christians. And the Christians say, Isa salam is the son of Allah. That's not an academic argument. It's not very confusing. That's an easy thing to not be confused about. By comparison, arguing about the history of the Kaaba and quoting their scholarly texts about whether or not this is the right direction of prayer, that's a more academic subject. And they might try to intimidate you with the knowledge that they have. And so Allah says, لا تكوننا, Don't you dare fall into this trap. لا تكوننا من الممترين. This by the way, in the, in the realm of da'wah, especially da'wah with the other people of faith, the Christians and the Jews, you'll notice they go in all different directions. When they make their arguments, they go in all different directions. And Qur'an just keeps you focused straight. And so you have to learn to navigate an argument. Not, you, I don't urge you to get into debates with Jews and Christians, but those of you that are in the da'wah field, you'll notice how the Qur'an navigates these arguments. It keeps the Prophet focused on the task at hand. Don't get sidetracked. This is actually the heart of the dars that I wanted to share with you. Very beautiful phrase Allah says. So when the qibla is there, you don't have to fall into doubt, this is the right direction. Then Allah says, وَلِكُلِّنْ وَجْهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّهَا What an amazing phrase of the Qur'an. There's several meanings here, I'll start with one of them. Every person has a direction that they face. That's the phrase. Sounds like a simple thing to say. Every person has a direction that they face, that they turn towards. What is this saying? In one sense Allah is saying for every group now, the Jews have their direction, the Muslims have their direction, it's become clear. If, don't worry about whether they'll follow you or not. It's okay, if they want to be stubborn, it's okay. Don't be depressed that they won't accept your religion. Allah is saying Himself, the truth has become clear, now it's their choice. You don't have to lose sleep over you didn't convince them or they didn't listen. Everybody has their own direction, they're gonna face it. That's one meaning. Of course, this could be about the direction of prayer, but Allah made it open-ended. In other words, the way, the, the direction you face is also an expression for lifestyle. I'll translate again. Every person has their own lifestyle. Every person has their own worldview. A direction they face. For some people, the most important thing in life is having fun. Everything they do now, is going to work towards that goal. Having fun. 
For some people in life, the ultimate goal is going to be making money. Everything they do, what school they go to, which city they move in, when they get married, if they get married, all the decisions in their life will be under submit under one goal. And what's that one goal? Money. For somebody else, a goal becomes education. For somebody else, a goal becomes I have to make my father proud or my mother proud. For somebody else, their goal becomes I have to be better than my brother. I hate my brother. <laughs> I just have to crush him. If I could just do that, I, you know... You can have a high goal or a low goal. Your goal could be your religion. Your goal could be other things in life. They become your wijha. They become something you face. Something you turn towards all the time. Something you're focused on all the time. And that's all you ever think about. لِكُلِّنْ وِجْهَةٌ And then Allah says, هُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا It is in the direction in which they turn. It's interesting the language used. It's not only that they turn towards it. That would have just been مُتَوَلِّيهَا Quran says مُوَلِّيهَا Which means not only do they turn towards it, they turn everything in their life and other people towards it too. In other words, if you are always obsessed with a party, you just want to go out with your friends late at night, every night, every night, every night. That's your life. Your younger sister, your younger brother, when they become the same age, what are they going to do? They're going to do the same. Why? Because you didn't just turn in that direction. You actually inspired other people to turn in that direction. When you were messed up in your youth and then you tell your younger siblings, hey, don't make the mistakes I made. They say, well, you got to do it. <laughs> oh, my turn, now I have to be... Well, why didn't you give yourself that advice when you were my age? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what I'm saying is, every one of us, whatever lifestyle we choose, we don't just turn everything in our life towards it. We don't just turn our schedule towards it. We don't just turn our, our finances towards it, our career goals towards it. We actually turn other people towards it too. Other people are inspired and moved to go in that direction too. And in the most literal sense, it's salah time, it's asr time. And you're in the mall, and there, you can't find a surah, which is impossible. You can always find a, find a surah. But you're in a mall in America, and you can't find a place to pray. And you just go in a corner, you start praying. That's just you turn towards the Qibla, right? That's what you, you alone. But somebody else is walking by, shopping. And they haven't prayed for two years. And they see you pray and something happens in their heart and say, man, I should pray. And that day they start praying. And when they start praying, what did you do? You didn't even know that you gave them da'wah. You didn't even know that you turned them. But when you turn, you inspire others to also turn. What we're saying is, you know nowadays for young people, they have this notion, it's my life, I can do whatever I want, I'm not hurting anybody else. I can go where I want, I can eat what I want. Why? What's the big deal? I'm free to do what I want. What is Qur'an saying? What you're doing doesn't just affect you. It creates momentum that other people now have to follow. Exactly what, what you are a victim of. When your mother says, don't go out, don't go over there, you say, everybody goes, why can't I go? See, they turned and they made you turn. <laughs> you see, and now you're part of that. So, لِكُلِّ وِجْهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا is a religious worldview. Whatever goal we decide is gonna dictate everything else. And in the most literal, in the most immediate sense of the ayat, the Muslims have been turned towards what? The Kaaba. And because they've been turned towards the Kaaba, Everything else that will happen in the seerah from now on is focused on what? The Kaaba. Because understand, this came early in Medina. The Muslims are praying towards the Kaaba, and the Kaaba is still surrounded by idols. 
so painful to make salah towards the Kaaba, and the Kaaba is surrounded by idols. Every single Muslim who prays every single time is thinking, when will we get rid of those idols? So I can feel better about my salah. When they were praying towards Jerusalem, there's no idol problem. When they're praying towards the Kaaba now, and this is like, uh, it could be argued these ayat are even before Badr. So it's early, early in Medina, first six months. They're already praying towards the Kaaba. They're constantly thinking, everything we do now must be towards one mission, to clean up the Kaaba. Like was given to Ibrahim alayhi salam, and tahira baytiya lil-ta'ifin, wal-akifin, wal-ruka'is-sujud. You'll purify my house. That house needs to be purified. The Muslims are in Medina. They just escaped Makkah. The problem is, finally we're safe. But then Allah says, no you're not, go face the Kaaba again. We just escaped from there. No, you gotta go back and clean it up. <laughs> we barely escaped, didn't we? And now Allah says, no, everything you do is focused back towards that mission. Subhanallah. لِكُلِّ وَجْهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ And by the way, when you face that Kaaba, then therefore, compete in doing good things. In other words, let the Jews pray towards Jerusalem. It's okay. Let them do what they do. Don't worry about convincing them. The only thing you should do now is compete in doing all kinds of good things. Allah is teaching us something about our facing of the Kaaba. I'll come to that as, as we conclude. All of this will get tied up. All of this will connect. Allah is saying a very beautiful phrase. Our facing of the Kaaba makes us compete in doing many good things. These two ideas, you don't connect them to each other. How, you, how are you facing the Kaaba praying, making, putting you in competition to do good things? فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ But Allah says, you know, لِكُلِّ الْوِجْهَةٌ هُوَ أَمْوَلِّيهَا فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ Compete in doing good deeds. This is the explanation I'll give you as we go. How is it that our salah is making us competitive in good deeds? What does our salah have to do with being in competition? In doing good deeds. Okay, so that's, that's what we're going to look at. But notice Allah said, الْخَيْرَاتِ All kinds of good deeds. It's not one kind of good deed, it's all kinds of good deeds. This is another important lesson for the ummah. You are capable of doing some good that nobody else is capable of. Allah has given you an opportunity, Allah didn't give anybody else. Allah gave me an opportunity, He didn't give anybody else. There are people in your life that are not in my life. You can do good to them that I cannot do. And I can do good to people that you cannot do. Every one of us has different capabilities. Every one of us has different opportunities. And within those capabilities and opportunities, we have to try to do good. There's not one standard good, everybody has to do the same exact thing. No. There's al-khayrat. And compete within your own circles. Be the best among your own circles. To, to get to, you know, doing the best that you can. فَاسْتَبِكُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا يَأْتِبِكُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا Allah. Wherever you may be, Allah will gather you all together. This conversation was about the Kaaba, not about the Akhirah. All of a sudden it's about the Akhirah. Why? Because the Kaaba, what's the biggest ritual around the Kaaba? Do you know? What's the biggest worship around the Kaaba? Hajj. Hajj is a rehearsal of humanity gathering in front of Allah. Just us facing the Qibla, reminding us of the Kaaba, is, us, is reminding us one day we will face Allah Himself. Just as gathering together in jama'ah and praying is reminding us that we will one day have a jama'ah in front of Allah. أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا يَأْتِبِكُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا Wherever you may find yourselves, Allah will bring all of you together, all together. Subhanallah. Just us facing the Qibla is us reminding us, just like you're facing the Kaaba today, you'll be facing Allah one day. You'll be standing in front of Allah one day. Every salah is a rehearsal for resurrection day. 
Every salah is a reminder of Aina Matakunu Yati Bikumullahu Jamiha. In Allaha ala kulli shayin qadir. No doubt Allah is completely in control over all things. And of course, that will become more clear on the day of judgment than any other day. Today you tell somebody Allah is in complete control. You're like, I, I know he's in complete control, but I still have diabetes. I don't see his control right now. I know he has control, but I don't I don't get I didn't get a promotion. You don't see Allah's power, you start doubting it. Because it's not benefiting you, so you start doubting it. I know Allah is all-powerful, but look at what's happening with the Ummah. You know, so many, I got so many calls from the Arab world, and so many emails and things, young people losing their faith. If, where is Allah? How can He let this happen to us? Questioning Allah's power. Allah says, Allah's qudra, Allah's power is behind a curtain. But when you stand in front of Allah in Judgment Day, the curtain will be lifted. In Allah ala kulli shayin qadir. Now look at what the Prophet is told. وَمِنْ حَيْثُ خَرَجْتَ And wherever you may come out, whichever direction you may go out, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَشْرِدِ الْحَرَامِ Turn your face in direction of Al-Masjid Al-Haram. That seems like Allah is saying to the Prophet ﷺ, whenever it's time for prayer, which way do you face? Kaaba. وَلَكِنَّهُ لَمْ يَقُلْ صَلِّي شَطْرَ الْمَشْرِدِ الْحَرَامِ He didn't tell the Prophet, pray in the direction of the Masjid Al-Haram. He said, wherever you are, face that direction. Why? Why wherever you are, face that direction. Whichever campaign you go to, you meet with this tribe or that tribe. You make progress this way or that way. Never forget, your goal is what goal? Cleaning up the Kaaba. Face that way, don't get distracted. You have one mission and one mission alone. That is what you have to fulfill. فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَشْرِدِ الْحَرَامِ Rasulullah could have... Think about it, they moved to Medina. They're safe now. Makkah's problem is finished. They don't have to focus on Makkah anymore. They could now do da'wah to all the other tribes. They could go towards Yemen. They could go towards other directions. And maybe if the people of Makkah didn't accept Islam, other tribes will accept Islam. Maybe we'll find another Medina. We'll find another, another place that will accept Islam readily. But no, Allah says, no, 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 no. That's not your campaign. Your first campaign is that house. You keep facing Al-Masjid Al-Haram over and over and over again. That's what you must do. And he says, وَإِنَّهُ لَلْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ And that certainly is the truth from your master. The word haqq is translated here as truth, but I'll tell you, haqq interestingly in Arabic, also means purpose, goal. خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِالْحَقْ He created the skies and the earth with purpose. In other words, facing that direction, not only is the truth, the right thing to do, it's also giving you purpose and mission. That's your mission. And Allah is not aware of what the rest of you are doing. Meaning the, the ummah, the followers of Rasulullah Look, he's focused on the Kaaba, which means you have to be focused on the Kaaba. There are muhajirun who are from Makkah. It's easy for them to say, we want to free our homeland. But the Ansar, they're from Medina. They have nothing to do with Makkah. That's not their problem. That's why even when the battle of Badr happened, Rasulullah didn't ask the Ansar to help. He didn't say, you should join the battle. He basically hinted. He hinted until they spoke and volunteered themselves. But Allah is giving the direction to them, look, the Prophet is focused on the Kaaba, you need to be also. وَمِنْ حَيْثُ خَرَجْتَ Now it's all about to tie in together. وَمِنْ حَيْثُ خَرَجْتَ فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَشْرِدِ الْحَرَامِ Once again, wherever you may be, turn your direction towards Al-Masjid Al-Haram. وَحَيْثُ مَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ شَطْرَهُ And wherever the rest of you may be, the Muslims, you must turn in its direction also. 
All of you must be focused towards it also. Why? لِأَلَّا يَكُونَ لِلنَّاسِ عَلَيْكُمْ حُجَّةٌ So people will no longer have a case to make against you. This is the concept that I want to teach you today inshallah. If I can do justice to that, I'm done for the day or the night. And you can get even better sleep than you're getting right now. Okay? Just this, just this one concept. Check it out. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is the descendant of Ibrahim who built the Kaaba. And the Kaaba was given to Ibrahim alayhi salam after many, many, many trials. The completion of Allah's favor on Ibrahim alayhi salam was the giving of the Kaaba. Allah azza wa jal gave this Kaaba as a hujjah for all humanity, a case for all humanity. This is the proof when this Kaaba is liberated, this seerah incident of the, you know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa eventually overpowering the Quraysh, and he will, he will eliminate their, the enemy, and he will destroy all the idols, and Makkah will become clean again. That's the goal, right? That's gonna happen. They don't know this is gonna come, but Allah has promised it's gonna come. This will become Allah's proof to all humanity until the day of judgment that Islam is the truth. And that judgment day is coming. Let me tell you why. When, surat, when uh, Makkah was conquered, Surat Tawbah was given. Surah Tawbah is the punishment on the, on the, the, or the final judgment of Allah in the seerah. The Quraysh, you must kill them wherever you find them. The, the people of the book, you, you humiliate them, you take jizya from them. The people who didn't know anything about Islam, you give them a chance. You give them a chance. What's gonna happen on judgment day? Who gets the harshest punishments? The mushrikun. Just like in the end of the seerah, who gets the harshest punishment? The mushrikun. Who's humiliated on judgment day? Even by their prophets, like Isa alayhi salam. And they thought they were right, but they're proven that they're wrong. That's the people of the book. Then just like here, there are people who didn't know. And they're trying to make an excuse. There are ashabu al-araf, la ilaha ula, la ilaha ula. There's the perfect judgment of Allah on judgment day. And a preview of the perfect judgment of Allah was the victory of Islam. That actually happened. Allah gave a case to the world. This is not just a philosopher. This is not just a preacher. This is the messenger of Allah. And Allah will not just give him a message. He will give him victory on this earth. And he will prove Allah's justice on this earth. And he did when the hajj was established. Where this, by the way, that opening, this is why Allah calls it, وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي He tells the ummah, now I've completed my favor upon you. The liberation of the Kaaba. Every single year when we do the hajj, we are actually reviewing not only the justice that was given by Rasulullah wasallam. we are reviewing the justice that is coming from Allah on Judgment Day. That's why it's called hajj. Hajj comes from hujjah. Hujjah means the ultimate case, the ultimate proof. That's what it actually means. Allah says, you will do this. He tells the Muslims, you will do this. لِأَلَّا يَكُونَ لِلنَّاسِ عَلَيْكُمْ حُجَّةٌ So people no longer have a case against you. You have a case against them, they don't have a case against you. Our ultimate proof of Islam is the Hajj itself, the Kaaba itself. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ Except those who do wrong among them, فَلَا تَخْشَوْهُمْ مَخْشَوْنِي Don't be afraid of them, be afraid of me. وَلِيُتِمَّ نِعْمَتِي عَلَيْكُمْ The completion of Allah's favor. Allah is telling the Muslims that Allah will complete His favor on you only when the Kaaba is liberated. That's why you must focus towards it. The mission of the Prophet became the Kaaba. From here on, there are two missions. There's the, the, the mission for each individual. 
For each individual, the mission, the goal is Jannah. For the ummah of the time, the goal became Kaaba. That, that's what their goal became. Okay? So now, كَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِيكُمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْكُمْ يَتْلُوا عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِنَا وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمْ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا تَعْلَمُونَ Just as we sent a messenger among you who recites our miraculous signs, meaning Allah sent the final messenger wasallam, and he purifies you and he recites the book, he teaches the book and the wisdom to you, and he teaches you what you couldn't have known. This ayah is a repetition. It's, it came before on the tongue of Ibrahim salam. He made dua for a messenger that will do all of these things. Look at what Allah has done. Who made this dua? Ibrahim salam. When did he make this dua? After he finished the making of the Kaaba. He built the Kaaba and he made the dua for the final messenger. Now Allah says, focus on that Kaaba because that's the messenger that Ibrahim prayed for. So he tied those two th- things together. You are the fulfillment of the du'a of Ibrahim alayhi salam. So see, just like I should, just like the favor of the du'a of Ibrahim alayhi salam has been finally fulfilled after thousands of years, it's finally been fulfilled, and this messenger has come. Just like that, that house that Ibrahim alayhi salam built must also be purified. So these two things go hand in hand. Both of these favors have been completed upon you. The house of Allah has been restored and the final messenger of Allah has come. Both of those things are tied together. This is very important to understand because philosophically speaking, the goal of the Prophet ﷺ was not to conquer and conquer and conquer like some people think. The goal of Islam was not to conquer. The goal of Islam was to liberate the house built by Ibrahim That was the mission of Rasulullah As a matter of fact, about conquering land, Allah says, "Ukhra lam taqdiru alaiha." Ukhra tuhibbunaha nasrum min Allah. Secondary goal: some land that you haven't acquired. In some people's mind, the goal of Islam is more and more and more land. The goal of Islam was to restore the legacy of Ibrahim That was the fulfillment of Allah's favor. And so he says, just like, in other words, you can, one of the ways to look at this statement, كَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِيكُمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْكُمْ يَتْلُوْ عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِنَا وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ Another way of looking at it is, just like I fulfilled this dua of Ibrahim. I'm fulfilling that goal of Ibrahim's built house. And then the other, ish, the, the other ihtimal of this ayah, is you connect it to the next ayah. Just like I have sent you this messenger, or in light of the fact that I have sent you this messenger, who taught you what you could never have known. وَيُعَلِّمُكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا تَعْلَمُونَ He is teaching you what you could never have known. Such a beautiful phrase. We would never have known about the Kaaba. We would never have known about the Dua of Ibrahim We would never have known that that house was there for the Tawheed of all humanity. All humanity. They are all going to face in that. We could never have known that if it didn't come for this messenger Wasallam. I love this phrase, it's such a humbling phrase, He teaches you what you could never have known. Think about it for a second. The entire world was learning. The entire world was moving in some... The Romans had an empire. The Persians, the Greeks have philosophy. The Chinese have had their literature. The Indians have been a people of philosophy and religion and literature. The Persians have had their poetry and their, their documentation. The Arabs had nothing. They had sand. What building did they build? What infrastructure did they build? What philosophy did they, they discover? What mathematics did they have? What engineering did they have? What trade did they have? They had nothing. This was the most backwards place on the planet. 
the most backwards place on the planet. It's called the age of jahiliyyah for a reason. That's all they were. Herding animals. They, they were so unappealing to the rest of the world, the Romans and the Persians and the Abyssinians did not even care to invade them. What are we going to do after invading them? <laughs> they left them alone. No, not worth it. There's no oil yet. <laughs> <laughs> In the, in the darkest place in the world, literally the darkest place in the world, Allah sent a messenger with knowledge that no humanity would ever have. And look at what Allah did in history. There are no, there are more libraries in the world are filled with books inspired by the revelation given to Rasulullah than anything else. This book gave birth to entire intellectual civilizations. It actually transformed entire civilizations who already had a history. This book came to India, and the Indians had a history, and it transformed that history and made it into an Islamic one. This, came, this book came to Persia, and they had their own history and philosophy, and it gave it a texture of Islam and a new intellectual tradition altogether. This book came to Europe. This book came to Southeast Asia. Wherever this book came, all started from not a university, not a prize author, not a great empire in the middle of the desert. It transformed the map of the world. It completely changed the map of the world. I want you to think about that because today we assume that until Muslims have power, they cannot bring change. Until we have power, we cannot bring change. Until the enemies of Islam or non-Muslims have government and power and resources, we are helpless. Tell me what government and what resources did the Prophet ﷺ have? What power did he, what billions did he have? What is his assets, what is the treasury of the Muslims at the time of Rasulullah ﷺ compared to the treasury of the Roman Empire? <laughs> All they had was Qur'an. All they had, يُعَلِّمُكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُنُوا That was enough. And that is what gave them the trans transformation of the world. We have to come back to this Qur'an. We have to restore the role of this Qur'an. يُعَلِّمُكُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ يَتْلُوا عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِنَا وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ When we restore this role, the world will change once again. We have to transform ourselves. We have to transform ourselves in the shade of this book. Then you see what happens with the world. So he says, and because I have given this to you, Remember me, I'll remember you. Therefore remember me and I'll remember you. This is the, Be grateful to me, don't be ungrateful. What I want to share with you now is in my conclusion is just a, a, a summary of what's been shared here. When we stand in salah, we remind ourselves of the favor of Rasulullah and how he got to fulfill the legacy of Ibrahim salam. Every single salah in a sense is a reminder of that huge favor of Allah that took place. That huge hujjah of Allah on us that took place. We are constantly reconnected to the seerah of the Messenger ﷺ and the promise of Allah's victory over liberating that house. Grateful that Allah gave us that honor, that we get to be among the people who face that. We get to be among the people that Ibrahim ﷺ prayed for. We get to be among the people, لِكُلِّ وِجْهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا we get to be among them every time we stand in salah. And therefore, therefore, we are directly connected to the legacy of Rasulullah So what is that legacy? 
That legacy isn't just facing the Kaaba. There's two things here. There's the, the Rasul and the Kaaba. Look at, look at the Kaaba for a second. Who built it? Ibrahim a.s. Why, who did he build it for? Did he build it for the Muslims? Is جَعَلْنَا الْبَيْتَ مَثَابَةً لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ Is جَعَلْنَا الْبَيْتَ مَثَابَةً لِلْنَاسِ For all humanity. Ibrahim a.s. was in one nation or he went around to different nations? Concerned about other people too? Angels are coming to kill the people of Lut and who's worried about them? Ibrahim a.s. He doesn't say, oh that's not my problem, that's Lut's problem. You go, you do your thing. يُجَادِلُنَا فِي قَوْمِ Lut. He's arguing about the nation of Lut. We follow the religion of Ibrahim. Every time we face the Kaaba, we learn that we are the religion of Ibrahim a.s. You know what that means? We have to be concerned about Ibrahim a.s. for all, not just our nation, all nations. Because that's the religion of Ibrahim. He was concerned about all people. He's worried about all of them. He built that house for all of them. So one day they can all find Allah. That's what he built it for. Then come to Rasulullah wasallam. What does he do? Rasulullah prepares an ummah that can do the work of Ibrahim a.s. How does he prepare that ummah? يَتْلُوا عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِنَا وَيُزَكِّيكُمْ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ الْكِتَابُ وَالْحِكْمَةِ He recites the ayat onto you. He purifies you. He teaches you the law. He teaches you the wisdom. I've explained these in other lectures in the series, what these four things mean. But here I just want to highlight one thing. Rasulullah wasallam is now, because he's the last messenger, the work of Ibrahim salam, the dua of Ibrahim salam, will now not only be fulfilled by Rasulullah now it has to be fulfilled by who? By us. But if it's going to be fulfilled by us, we have to be prepared. How is he going to prepare us? With this method. That method was what he did in his own lifetime, and because he left the Qur'an behind, that method is still alive and well. We can still recite the Qur'an among ourselves, we can still find purification of our hearts and our minds through the study of the Qur'an. We must still learn the law and learn the wisdom and teachings of the Qur'an. And once we learn those things, we will embody the full, full scope of the dua of Ibrahim salam. You know, Allah says, وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ Out of my children in the future, at least give me one Muslim ummah. That's what Ibrahim salam said. He was talking about us. He was talking about us. That is why when the Kaaba was completely liberated and the deen of Allah was complete, that's when Allah said to the ummah, أَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي I have completed my favor upon you. I have now completed my favor upon you. What was the, what's the messenger's job? What is the messenger's job? A messenger's job is to be witness over his people. I delivered the message. That's his job. The messenger is now gone. Guess what? He passed that responsibility to this ummah. Now we are لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ so, so we can be witnesses over people. We can show people what, what a beautiful religion this is. May Allah Azza wa Jal really keep us in line with the spirit of this religion. I tell you practically, if you think about this, you realize we have turned Islam into an ethnic reality. Pakistani Muslims, are, they think Islam is like a Pakistani thing. <laughs> and... There are Christians in Pakistan, even if they convert, they look down on them. They're not real Muslim. They're, I mean, they're, I mean, they're really Christian. Islam is something passed down. They themselves forget seven, eight generations, nine generations ago, they were Buddhists and Hindus. They don't own Islam. The Malays don't own Islam. 
They don't, they don't, oh, Islam is a Malay thing. No, it's not. Just like it's not a Pakistani thing. Just like it's not an Arab thing. It's not. We don't own it. It owns us. <laughs> Islam owns us. We have, across the world, we have become like every other religion, obsessed with ourselves. We are the religion of Ibrahim, which means we are concerned with the rest of humanity. Unlike any other religion. We want khair for them. We want good for them. And we can never lose sight of that. We are the most international ummah. That's why these two messengers, look at them. Ibrahim alayhi salam, not, never sticking in one place. And our messenger, rahmatan lil-alameen. All nations, all peoples, all groups. For God's sake, how far away from the Arab land are we sitting and having this conversation? How many countries are sitting in that, inside this hall right now? All of it because rahmatan lil-alameen. How can we forget that? How can we forget that that bond of brotherhood that brings us together is not so we stick with each other, so we share this message with the rest of humanity. The psychology needs to change. Later on in the surah, ayat of Baqarah are coming, I'll just make one comment about them. When Ramadan happens, Muslims become obsessed with worship. Right? Recite Qur'an, fast, ibadah, dhikr, isn't that what we do? When Allah introduced Ramadan to us, He says, شَهَرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنَ هُدَى لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ لِلْعُبَّاد لِلصَّائِمِينَ What did he say? شَهَرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنَ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ Ramadan is the month to remind you that Qur'an came for all people. And Ramadan is the one time you forget about everybody else, all we think about is ourselves. Qur'an is for ourselves, you do more qira'ah, you do more recitation. This was the one month that reminded you of this mission. This Qur'an is for everybody. Disseminate, learn this Qur'an. Teach this Qur'an. بَلِّغُوا anni walaw ayat. Spread on my behalf even if one ayah. How are we gonna spread it if we don't learn it ourselves? Become students of this book. In little bit or a lot. You know, خِفَافًا وَثِقَالًا Little, lightly or heavily. Full-time, part-time, 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a week, I don't care. But make some progress with this Qur'an. This is not a small gift. This is not a small gift that Allah gave us. And once we do that, Allah Azza wa will show the barakah to this ummah, and will show the light of this deen to all of humanity. May Allah Azza wa keep this ummah connected to the message of the Qur'an, to the words of Allah Azza wa May Allah Azza wa help us fulfill the spirit of the religion of Ibrahim alayhi salam, just like he told his own messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, فَاتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا You also follow the religion of Ibrahim. Hanifa wa makana min al-mushrikeen. Jazakumullahu khairan for listening. I'm very, very honored to be here. I'm very, very happy to be here. Jazakumullahu khairan for listening. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G.